0: When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan.
1: Play fake, Jones rolls left, Rolls left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger.
0: When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always
2: live on the free Odyssey app.
1: Yeah, how we doing? How we doing at 3 a.m. on this Tuesday morning? I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the Eagles falling apart and the Cowboys falling apart on back-to-back nights. I am. I enjoy watching football. We invest all our time in it. The Giants were 2-8, and eight and the season was dead. And we had a couple of moments with uh, the passing Paisan. Well, he trademarked it, so let me be careful. With Tommy DeVito. But ultimately, this season was a disaster, and yeah, so what? I'm enjoying the fact that the Cowboys and the Eagles completely falling apart, and they're probably going to fire their coaches, and they're probably... <laughs> Going to hire excellent coaches and turn the whole thing around and beat the Giants again for the next 10 years. Let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, But I'm not going to let that bother me right now. And nor am I going to let it bother me that Brian Dable's under attack. If you didn't see the story earlier from Pat Leonard of the Daily News, he's got a couple of sources absolutely killing Brian Dable. Just absolutely out to make Brian Dable look like a bad guy. To make Brian Dable look like he's out of control and to make Brian Dable look like he's creating an unstable, for lack of a better word, atmosphere inside the Giants building. And I got to tell you, when I first read the story, my initial thought is, and I tweeted it out. Here's my my initial thought, and then we'll get into some of the details. But my initial thought is just losing sucks and losing you get all of this the same stuff that made Brian Dable a great head coach last year is now the same thing that makes Brian Dable a major problem this year the feistiness the fiery nature the yelling in Daniel Jones's face the you know coaching players hard coaching his coaches hard i mean that's what changed the losing culture of the New York Giants. That's what um, instantly turned around this franchise from being one of the worst franchises in the sport, if not the worst, over the six years prior to Brian Dable getting here. His feistery nature, him getting in the face of Daniel Jones week one, going for it for the two-point conversion, literally changed the feel of the team. And he's always been like this on the sidelines, and it's always been perceived as a positive. It's part of why they win. It wasn't a problem with Wink Martindale last year, and if you get into the details of the story, obviously, throughout the games, particularly, he is very reactionary on the headset throughout games. He's quick to get on his coaches, to curse and scream at his coaches, to blame his coaches, right? There are certain certain elements of the games. Uh, They use examples, a Washington game with the lead, and Washington's going down the field to score, and he's screaming and cursing at the defense and Wink Martindale and blaming him and saying, you're going to lose this bleeping game just like you lost the Jet game, a game where clearly offense had negative nine passing yards. And it seems like he's just lashing out and not recognizing that his side of the ball has been far more of a problem than the defensive side of the ball, and it probably caused issues with Wink Martindale there's no doubt about it I'm sure it, it did, and this is and the the people you're hearing from, the sources from Pat Leonard, are no doubt either part of. Wink Martindale staff that's been let go and no longer with the team or soon to be no longer part of the team or just wink sympathizers or someone who's been yelled at by Brian Dable on his way out of the organization and is out to make Brian Dable look bad. And I'm sorry, but I don't care. A couple of things. One, yeah, he might yell at coaches and it's probably something he's going to have to tone down. But doesn't he get that opportunity to recognize these things he's a, a second year head coach he was coming off success in the first year they made the playoffs things started to fall apart on him this year and yeah we saw it from early on preseason game one against the lions he gave the special teams coach the dirty just stared him down he had to mcgay had to answer the question over and over again about their relationship and i'm sure it wasn't good and now he's gone but tom coughlin who had been an experienced head coach, who had taken the Charger, the uh, the excuse me, the uh, Jaguars to AFC championship games, needed to change the way he coached the New York Giants to make it work. He needed to form the veteran committee and understand how he was dealing with the players was a problem. This is a second-year head coach who, yeah, coaches his players tough and demands a lot from his coaches as well. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen it or heard about it. Uh, let's be honest. As, as dopey as this was, remember J- Joe Judge had them running laps. In, in training camp, coaches had to run laps if made mistakes. So, yeah, is it is it unproductive at times to be yelling on the headset during the game? Yes. Does he probably need to tone it down? Yeah. Are other coaches, and this is my meal, my real main concern of it, are other coaches going to get wind of this and feel like, I don't want to be yelled at? I suppose. But ultimately, he's a fiery guy, and he cares about winning, and he, he expects a lot from his coaches. And I think that it's being portrayed far worse than what it is because you're getting it from one side. The The Paul Schwartz story that came out about Wink and everything, that was probably from – this is how the media works. A lot of poll sources were probably team guys who are more on Dable's side, more on Joe Shane's side, and had things to say about Wink. That's how it works. But obviously there's an issue to the point where in the story you found out that Joe Shane decided to get on the headset during that Washington game and a handful of games down the stretch of the season where he wanted to be on headset and hear what was going on between the coaches. And I'm sure he feels it was probably a bit much and it's something that Dable needs to work on. But if we're talking about suddenly that this guy who changed this franchise, who still not, and, and let's be honest, we just saw the Philadelphia Eagles quit a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, quit down the stretch of the season and into the playoffs on their head coach, quit, and the New York Giants players did no such thing. Brian Dable was able to rally the troops and win football games with, with terrible quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor might not be terrible. He played terrible in a handful, in, in almost every game he played. He had moments where he threw the deep ball, but ultimately missed. They, 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 you know how many games they win? If Ty, Ty, They beat the Rams if Tyrod Taylor throws a, a two-point conversion from, from you know two feet away. Like, he had the team playing good football down the stretch. At the end of the year, they blow out the Eagles. He did not lose this football team. He did not, you know, he, the players all still have his back. We've had players with, coach, with, with problems with Wink, and that was part of the story, too, that he wasn't holding Xavier McKinney uh, accountable for the comments he made about the defense and the, and the defensive coaching staff. And that Wink went out there and, and blasted uh, McKinney. And that Dable didn't like that it wasn't handled within the team. And that Wink went public with his comments. And then he let McKinney break down the team or do something where it was a leadership moment. And it felt like it was a smack in the face to the defensive coaching staff. Like, honestly, Wink Martindale and this defensive coaching staff need to get a grip. And now they're no longer here. But there's he's the head coach of the team, and if he wants to have a a a a, 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 a player break down the team, don't they, that's going to be a direct insult to you. Get over it. I mean, what you're learning from this defensive staff is, yeah, Brian Dable might be overbearing, and Brian Dable probably needs to cool it. But this, this defensive staff and Wink Martindale were so sensitive and couldn't – in football, where everybody gets yelled at, everybody gets screamed at, it's part of the culture that they couldn't handle anything. And the idea then when they gave them the game ball, because if you remember, they um, – they win that game. He gives he, uh, famously. He gives wink the the game ball to the uh, of the game, and apparently that was viewed as trans. It was transparent and obvious, and it was just to quell the rumors of the relationship. Oh, sorry, he gave you the game ball. Like now, even that, yeah, it probably was a, a forced gesture, but it still was a gesture. And even that, oh, it's it's all BS. It's whatever, whatever. This is the leader of the team. He's the head coach of the team. He wants to coach like that. That's how it went down. And it's the same thing that led them to winning last year. He did not wake up this season and start yelling. I promise you. He's been doing it from the beginning. It worked last year. It didn't work this year. When it, when it works, it's great. What we, we're screaming. We're going nuts. Jet fans are going crazy about the demeanor of their head coach and how he has no fire and he holds no one accountable and he doesn't get upset about anything. Brian Dable is the complete opposite. Sometimes you go too far. There's always extremes. But you can't change who Brian Dable is. And Brian Dable didn't lose the team. And Brian Dable was the turnaround last year. There is no doubt. And moving forward, I trust him. And he I still believe he has the team. And this the idea that it's somehow this negative connotation that he, you know, screams and curses, does he go too far? Sure. Blaming and listen, I understand that and there's also talks about some of the game plans they go over and there's changes. And the real issue is if Kafka is gonna continue, who's who's getting head coaching interviews, by the way. But if Kafka is going to continue as the offensive coordinator, you can't constantly, in the report, uh, he was taking play calling away from Kafka at different times and then giving it back to him. The offense was dreadful. The offensive line continued to be bad. The quarterback got hurt, and they were doing their best to try and scramble, and the head coach probably did what he thought he had to do at times and ultimately probably overstepped his bounds. But he's a young, co- he's a young head coach learning how to do this but yeah he's got to have a good relationship with his coordinator and he can't be taking the play calling away and giving it back and taking it away at least he wasn't publicly doing it and all of this is private all of the yelling, all of the admonishing, all of the blaming as, as un you know, helpful as it may be, and as difficult it is, and there's reports that he's screaming so much at Wink that he can't even like think straight to get the next play call in. It's detrimental to the team on some level. There's no doubt if it's if it is as bad as it's portrayed in the Pat Leonard article, which uh, I'm sure Pat Leonard's getting that information. I just don't know if it's being embellished by people trying to make Brian Dable look bad. But ultimately, yeah, it can be taken to a level where it's detrimental to the team. There's no doubt about it. But he's a young coach learning how to do all this, and I'd rather have him be himself in that way and keep it private and not admonish or get on coaches publicly and 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 understand that they're being you know it's you they they have to answer for the issues with the team and offensively, which is his purview. They need to answer. And to the idea that, yeah, he got on a headset and blamed them for the jet loss when the offense had negative nine passing yards, yeah, because because Zach Wilson went down the field to kick a field goal to tie the game late in the game after being really stifled the entire game. Yeah, that seems silly to me, and I get it, and it's probably a little bit petty, and he's got a little bit of maturing to do as a head coach. But this is a probably a bit of a hit piece This is from coaches who are no longer with the team. He's got to build his relationship relationship up with Kafka, but mainly the players still responded to him. And the same feistiness got the best out of of, uh, Daniel Jones and got the best out of that team to go win a playoff game, score 30 points and win playoff games, something this team hasn't done in forever. So excuse me if I'm not ready to just like say, "Oh wow, how damning this is and what kind of a tumultuous building it is and how poorly run it is. Poorly run, it's been a disaster. they got up to a terrible start and fought and clawed back and won most of their games down the stretch. And early on the defense the defense was a little bit of a problem. The San Francisco game nobody tackled. The Dallas game, they got run over. Like, he's coaching the team the way he coaches the team. You need to readjust and reevaluate all the time. It's it's always a learning process, and he probably has things to learn. But the idea that Brian Dable is some sort of tyrant, who you know no one's ever had to deal with this before in the history of the NFL. Okay, Coughlin didn't yell at coaches. Belichick doesn't yell at coaches. We're begging. Jet fans are begging Robert Sala to yell at coaches. You kidding me? If Robert Sala turn, if they, if if a report came out that Robert Sala screams at Hackett all day, it'd be the most positive story to come out about Robert Sala in in his entire tenure as a Jets head coach. I thought. I think the story ends up being absolutely nothing. The play. The the, the coaches that don't want to be here won't be here, and he's got to figure out a working relationship with his offensive coordinator, and he's got to make sure that this story and the word of mouth that might be going around from some of Wink Martindale's cronies doesn't hinder him from hiring coaches, but they did hire an offensive line coach right away. They're, they're uh, They're looking at different defensive coordinators and special team coaches. Guys have come in and interviewed they'll they'll find their guys and he needs to adapt a little bit and change his th- and change his process ever so slightly but I don't want him to not be fiery that's who he is and it's what helped turn around this team and the players continue to fight for him I'm really not that worried about the tyrant leading the head, the leading the giants 877 337 66 66 McMonagle here with you Let's get to a call here before the break. Why not? Uh, we'll continue to take your calls on the Giants now. I've opened that up if you have an opinion on the Brian Dable story. I think Brian Dable's a good head coach. I think Brian Dable's got stuff to learn. I think Brian Dable, like any other coach in the NFL, needs to make adjustments moving forward. Tom Coughlin had to do it. Every coach has to do it. You have to adapt. You have to get better. And And surely his antics on the sidelines need to change a little bit. But. I am not that concerned about it. Uh, I, I think they it, it shouldn't impact the coaching on uh, hiring coaches to any kind of level. I know there is a report that a staffer is telling people don't come here. I think that's all from people who you know are on Wink Martindale's side. I think Wink Martindale is a respected coach inside this league. He's been around you know it didn't work in in Baltimore eventually and he was replaced with a coach that has only you know led them to be better defensively and is probably going to get a head coaching job sooner rather than later but i think he's respected i think a lot of people appreciate him and i think the idea that he was fed up with Brian Dable speaks a little bit to Brian Dable's issue and it's it speaks to a lot of his coaching staff that that's the reason why he is no longer the defensive coordinator of the Giants. And so on the way out, they're throwing, they're throwing jabs. But ultimately, this team performed down the stretch. I believe in Brian Dable. And damn it, he's going to develop a quarterback to change the franchise. And nothing's going to change that. 877-337-6666. Stewart in Brooklyn. What's up, Stu Pot?
2: Well, oh, I hope you're right. Yeah, I, I think the whole right. story's over. I definitely hope you're right because you want to know what? The team. Uh, anybody who's throwing darts at Dable on Martindale's behalf—that's just pure, uh, you know, sour grapes. Because you don't know no what Dable has a lot to learn. Sure, he's got to make adjustments, but the simple fact is, we need a quarterback. Daniel Jones is not the answer. Tyler Taylor, no. Well, no. And uh, Tommy DeVito. Well, we we can make all the cutlets we want, and we'll have we'll have good meals before and after the game. And uh, but they have to uh, get, get a, a coordinator that's going to be on the same page as table. I, well, I mean, don't know who that he's, the, he's
1: the leader of the team. We'll find out who it is. But, I mean, it's, uh, the coaches are crying they got yelled at. I mean, they're crying they got yelled, so
2: what? yelled at. That's part of the job that, they're going to be I, I,
1: I, I would think it's a lot more prevalent. Maybe not to this extent. I think it's a lot more prevalent than you think. And now that it's being released – and you're hearing it. It sounds worse because we typically don't hear. This yeah, stuff. but you wanna
2: know when, I, I, mean, I, I mean. Did Vince Lombardi yell at his coaches? Of course, he did. Everybody All did. That's did. what I'm
1: saying. Like I, I'm sure Belichick yells at his coaches. Uh, I, uh, I have he, no doubt he that yelled Brian Dable. Coaches. He was like no...
2: a simple, simple gruffy old yeah. man, but he yelled. I
1: have no doubt Brian Dable probably took it too far at times and blaming people. And that was that part of the story is. You know he's 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 never giving solutions. It's just strictly reactionary and blaming and venting. He pretty much well maybe events, he needs to make events. adjustments on that end. He needs to make adjustments on it. I don't disagree. <clears throat> and but you not, know what? You're not right not about one thing.
2: Of the jet, of Sala yelled, the jet would be screaming, oh, glory, God. Hallelujah!" Yeah, we, we we saw something out of our coats.
1: Yeah. No, that's and what he, they're begging you know, for instead of that
2: same stale face. I mean, oh, we, we... that stale face has not that then, got uh, old.
1: Yeah. And then and then some of like the other like they uh Pat Leonard used the given uh given Tyra Taylor a a play call that had a run uh, option to it as a negative he called the play they typically call you know you can't run the football yeah, like, you know, now it's the just, football. Now, just out, now it's just like at the, in that situation where at the end of the half they had no time and 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 uh Tyra Taylor audibled to a run play I mean now, well, you, you know, everybody's
2: backstabbing one another, <clears throat> and they've got to stop it yeah. because you and know like and, have and to much, some kind of unity.
1: Yeah, and I agree. That's probably the, my biggest take from it is that he, he allowed it to get to a point where people are so angry with him or people are so uh, disen, uh, disenfranchised as they're out the door that they felt needed to take jabs. And I think mainly it happened because of the Paul Schwartz article where Wink Martindale got some jabs thrown at him and the idea and now so wink leaves everybody's killing wink well, initially many, it was dable then everyone was blaming wink and then suddenly wink's guys needed well, to get something uh, in the press how many times and we're not that, and we uh, know with
2: every with every head coach at least how many times have we seen what's going on right now yeah. except it wasn't publicized the right. way this is. And
1: we and we know wink has no problem going to the media he's the one who linked him and his uh, defensive he, coordinators look, uh, of defensive of course he has no he has
2: no problem he, with that. they they, but, they no the ones who leaked the story to Glazer. Either, did he?
1: No all right so what's your point what do you want to talk about Stu
2: uh well. Of, You're very kind, Let me just say
1: something first. Because okay. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you want to talk about. It says here you want to talk about the Eagles, most of the time you want to talk about the Yankees. If I go yeah, well, I want to off.
2: talk about the Eagles how <clears throat> they just yeah. it, well, it seemed to me that uh, they quit. And another thing about the Yankees. Yeah. Are they close are yeah, uh, the Yankees close to getting hater?
1: Uh no, I don't think they are close to getting hater, no. Okay.
2: Alright. But the Eagles and the Cowboys, they uh Mm. I think yeah, not they certainly
1: did, Stu. Mm. I was gonna say you just you, you kept talking. Stu is Stu is a very good guy, because Stu wants to talk about what he wants to talk about. He wants to just be part of the show mainly, because he wants to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. But it doesn't. If I go to him, he will first comment on whatever I was talking about. I could honestly be talking about anything. I could be talking about photosynthesis. I could I I honestly could be talking about anything. I'll go to Stu and immediately be like, yeah, you know. I mean uh, xylem up, uh, xylem and phloem. It's the way the you know the the sun is really important to the plants. I've always said that. My wife, we put the 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 plants out in the sunlight, and it, it helps the growth so much. And then you don't want to overshadow the other plant. I could be talking anything, and whatever I'm talking about, he will comment on that subject, which is the sign of an experienced caller, someone who wants to stay on the line. Someone who is very with it when it comes to joining a sports radio show. He 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 wanted to talk about the Eagles, and yet I was talking table, so he's talking table. God bless you, Stu Pot. God bless you, Dave in Brooklyn. What's up,
3: Dave? Hey, what's going? on? I hope I could be a shift to, shift to the baseball for a second.
1: You can shift to baseball for a second, yeah. And he kind of did there. Um, I don't think Bell. Let me just answer this question real quick, and then I'll take your call. Uh, I don't think the Yankees are in on Hater. I I I understand they don't have a closer. Uh, I understand that that would really make this bullpen elite, and there's the thought right now of doing that because they weren't unable to get a Snell or unable to get a big another big time starting pitcher. So let's go with let's go with uh, Marcus, and then let's build a big time bullpen. But I still don't think they're going to give a hundred million dollars. To a closer. Mm -hmm. I just, I think they love, I think their best process and what they've done best over the last handful of years is find these arms inside the organization to build a at least serviceable bullpen. And they are not going to pay a hundred million for a closer. I just, I I don't see it. Maybe they'll do it. It certainly would make the team better. But, and I'm all in for now. To be fair, I am. I've been saying it forever. I want 2024 to be the best. So on some Mm -hmm. level, I'm being a little bit, um, a little bit disingenuous, or I'm being a little bit um, hyperbolic in saying that I don't want Hater because I'm all about adding the best players to this year. But I just think 100 million dollars for a bullpen piece, I just don't trust him. I know he's been as solid as anyone, but year in and year out, they're fickle. He's been doing this a mm-hmm. long time. I, I just, I'd be surprised if they get the best of him. And for 100 million dollars mm-hmm. in for a, for a part of the team that they do better. At, at, at filling in with, with nobodies that they do than any other part of the team. I'd rather just take mm-hmm. my chances and go get a couple of good guys where they're talking to Neris and they're talking to different guys. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I would bring back Wandy Peralta. I think he's done a great job. Mm-hmm. I, I'd go that way as opposed to spending $100 million on Hater. But uh, what's your point on the baseball?
3: Well, I, I I definitely see your point. I mean, the pitching was great last year anyway, you know, right? So it's like they definitely know what they're doing with with that. And I agree with you. They can pluck some arms here and there. And I like nervous. The thing is, though, I'm just looking at it from like a broad perspective of like I'm thinking back to the to the 80s, you know, like with, you know, acquisitions like Jack Clark and uh, guys who, who didn't do exactly as well as we wanted them to do. But they still, you know, like you're saying, they still make the team better. And it's like, um, you know what? Like the Yankees, they tried the baby bombers. It didn't really work out, except for Judge. And I'm, I'm all back on Steinbrenner mode, George mode. I want to just buy guys like Bellinger. I want him. I, you know, I know, I know, I know you're not crazy about him. Snell. I'm telling you, man. To me, it's like let's just get the big names and let's just do this. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. No, listen. They, they. I mean, they went out and got. They went out and got. Um... Soto, and and they tried to get Yamamoto, and they offered Snell one hundred fifty million dollars. Uh, I think they could have offered Snell more. I think they might I really wanted to go get Yamamoto, whether he wanted to be obviously he wanted to be a Dodger on some level, but I still would have tried to I would I would have offered him at least the same contract to see if he would have taken it. But I mean, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. They it, it it has felt like that, and now the rest of this offseason has felt like that after the Soto trade. It's felt like, all right, once they failed on Yamamoto, there was no real plan B. They're not going to overpay on anyone. And that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. The Yankees were willing to, they were going to get Soto by hook or by crook. And I think in some circles inside the organization, and even with Cashman, uh, especially with Cashman, should I say, I think they did not want to have to give up King for Soto. And I think there are still some there who think they overpaid for Soto. I think they're nuts. I think you had to do what you had to do. But I think on some level, the owner said, get me Juan Soto. I don't care what it takes and do it now. And then they were the same on Yamamoto, although they had a line in the sand at 300 million, but they were willing to do that extra. They were willing to really go out and spend a lot of money and offer a $300 million contract to a pitcher who's never pitched in Major League Baseball before. I mean, I think if we, it, going into the offseason, I don't think anybody would have expected that you would have had to make a $325 million offer to get, to get Yamamoto. And yet there they were. They fell just short of that, and I'm not happy about it, and I wish they would have gone further. But still, that's where they decided we're going to go get Soto, and we're going to go try our best and almost do anything we can to get Yamamoto. After that, it's clear they are back to the same old we are not overpaying. Marcus Stroman comes through with a contract offer that or, or or is willing to take a contract that is a completely fair market. I think you could argue it's the most fair free agent signing of the entire offseason so far. And, and God knows there's still more to do. Can we actually like have a baseball offseason here? We're a couple of we're we're less than a month away from pitchers and catchers here. But that's one of the fairer signings in the entire offseason. And they are not going to overpay for Cease. They're not going to overpay for Burns. They're not going to overpay for Snell. They're not going to overpay for Hater, They're not going to overpay. That's pretty much it. They are not going to overpay. Where Soto they were willing to overpay, Yamamoto they were willing to overpay. That's why I wanted Yamamoto so bad because I knew that was the guy who could who could really change this rotation? And the one guy they were willing to go beyond their comfort level with. And then they had that a uh, few weeks ago, or a few weeks later. Now a few, maybe a week ago, they had that meeting in Florida where they got together. They had this, you know, uh, powwow, the meeting of the minds. And I speculated and I thought it was going to be a decision on who they were going to go get and make an uncomfortable deal with, because I thought they recognized they needed somebody. So was it, they're going to give up more than you wanted for a Dylan Cease or a Burns, or was it going to be, Hey, we're going to give up more money than what we want or what we think is fair for a Blake Snell. Like I thought that was the decision. And what really has come of it is no, they're not going to make a deal. They're uncomfortable with. They're going to go get, they're going to go get Marcus uh, to go fill out the rotation They're going to go get Stroman to fill out the rotation, upgrade the rotation, get a great fan market deal, and now they'll pivot to building a bullpen or whatever. They're not going to do anything. They're uncomfortable. And I still wanted them in this year that's supposed to be all in to be willing to do something to make this team as good as it possibly could be and be willing to do something uncomfortable to accomplish that goal. And Soto was the end of it. And Yamamoto was the last one. And since then... Nothing out of their comfort level. That's how they're attacking it. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be right. It doesn't mean that, you know, giving Snell might end up being a disaster. Giving that money to Snell could be a disaster. Or trading up a top prospect for one of their pitchers could end up being uh, something they regret. I mean, they might be right in it. But I still want to chase a championship this year. So we'll see. And then come the trade deadline... They could always try and make a move, too. The roster is never rebuilt until the trade deadline. It's never finished. It's always in flux until that trade deadline. So we'll see what they, how they attack it. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, they are a very good team. They are a playoff team. And anything can happen if you're a playoff team. But are they one of the favorites to win the World Series? Do I view them as a team that's far better than Tampa Bay, that's far better than the Astros that's far better than the Texas Rangers or at least better than those guys? No. I think they're on par. They're on par because the offense was so bad last year that Soto improves it to just being good. And the rotation is so filled with guys who are injury-prone and question marks that, yeah, if everybody pitches well – and there was actually a, a picture today that was making the rounds on, on uh, Twitter and Instagram from uh, Rodon's wife – of him pushing the the baby stroller, and he looks like he slimmed down a little bit. He looks like he's in good shape. But So if this rotation, if Rodon goes back to being himself, if Nesta Cortez is healthy and pitching like himself, if Marcus Stroman is the pitcher he was the first half of last year, if Clark Schmidt improves on what he did last year, then and obviously Cole is the same and stays healthy, this rotation could be excellent, and the lineup could be devastating, and they could be the best team in baseball. That's on the table but it's not as much of a, a, a chance as I'd like. There aren't, because there's, there's still, uh, Stroman hasn't thrown more than 130 innings over the last handful of years, and Nesta Cortez is coming off shoulder problems, and Rodon is coming off back and, and miserable pitching problems, and the idea that you're going to get the same kind of year out of Cole seems unlikely. There's too many question marks. There's too many. So they're just on par with the best, they're, they're right there. They're they're as good or, or right there with any team in the American League, but they are not the favorites, and they are not the best. And that's what I wanted from this year. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan.
3: The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New
0: York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: 40. Time is flying on this morning. Oh, what a glorious day! What a glorious day to watch Philly and Dallas on back to back nights absolutely implode.
3: <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, that's as much enjoyment as we can get as, as New York football fans out of the season. I'm sorry, it just is. It sucks, I know. But we hate Philadelphia, and Giant fans hate the Cowboys. And to watch them on back-to-back nights completely ruin their franchises, oh my God! It was a lot of fun. I hate to be that guy. Flea, I mean you're 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 a Jet fan, but even just a New Yorker, it's nice to
3: see Philadelphia lose, right? I mean, we enjoyed that. Yeah, actually, watching Philly lose gives me more enjoyment than even sure. watching the Cowboys lose. Yeah, definitely. Because I, just... I, I don't care about the Cowboys. They're whatever. Right. As a Philly, growing up close to them, the Mets-Philly's rivalry, and going to Penn State for all those years with the Philly fans, oh, they can't yeah. lose enough.
1: See? There you go. 100% correct. Philly cannot lose enough. Why not? I mean, let's be honest. Last year, they're in the World Series. They're in the Super Bowl. There was something else, too. What am I blanking on?
3: World Series Super Bowl. It, well, it was a soccer thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was
1: like a soccer thing. Right, right, right. It was like a soccer thing. They were in the soccer finals or something or did something. I don't know. They had the fencing champion. I, I forget what it was. 877-337-6666. Let's see if Bob and Bayside agrees with me. Bob, do you enjoy last night? I totally
0: agree with you about Sillian and Dallas. I, I even hate Dallas more than Philly. Uh, but
1: let yeah, me make know, a few uh, giant fan. points. I, I can't. I, I don't mean to. Uh, um, i think anyone my age or younger, forty or younger, I mean the Eagles have just owned the the Giants. The Cowboys. <laughs> they've beaten the Cowboys in some, uh, some spots. A couple of giant points yeah. for, for
0: one reason or another. Coming out of preseason, the Giants were just not ready early. They lost forty nothing to Dallas. Yep. But you're right. From from the half of the season after half of the season on, all the players played hard. And let me give you three games: the L. A. game, uh, the, the L. A. game, if Mason Crosby makes the field goal, the Jet game, which the Giants should have won, and even the Buffalo game. Yeah. If they won those three games, they would have been nine and eight with a, with backup quarterbacks.
1: Yeah,
0: and I mean not, sure, and that's true, But I mean, but they
1: they didn't though, no. and, and, and they and, played and
0: very hard. You're right. even, even after they went into a hole. What, what was it, two and eight or something? Yes, uh, I don't uh, want to he- make it
1: seem here, but here's where I want to just make sure, Bob, because like now I'm getting, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm praising Brian Dable because he had an awful year, and, and you might say for whatever reason that they weren't ready to start the year. He's. He's the reason. Like he's part of the reason, at the very least. Like he needs to make sure his team is ready to start the year. The right. fact that they weren't is a major indictment on him and his coaching staff.
0: Nothing gelled in the first few games. Yeah,
1: but that's on but, him. That's on him. All right. He had a terrible right. year. He had a terrible year. What I will say though is, I don't like postseason shots uh, from people who are probably no longer inside the organization right. with an axe to grind. While at the end of the year. You know, we've seen coaches and teams give up on coaches, and I'll give him at least that. They did not give up on him. Now, and I also think he's a second year coach who should be given the opportunity to learn how to make adjustments. And clearly, and I'm being fair here, he needs to adjust and how he handles. You know, the game and, and how he's. You're he absolutely right. He has a bit game. of a, an
0: acerbic personality. Th-
1: uh, I don't want him to lose it completely. No. I like his fiery na- nature. That's him. I think it's important to be yourself. And I think it's helped the team in many ways. But and I mean, my final point. If you're, on the headset, brought- if you're on the headset just flat out blaming yeah. coaches for previous games in the middle of later, like that, blaming, blaming the defense for the loss against the Jets while they're playing Washington is just a... A meaningless, fruitless endeavor. Right. There's no, it's not helping anybody. And Chris, he, before he needs to I hang up. that
0: out, yeah, yeah. If Daniel, jo- you're going to eat your words next year. If Daniel Jones okay. is healthy, he has all the tools. I know I'm, he has all
1: the tools. No, no, He's no. no. I've, I've heard, he heard this does. before.
0: He does. Yeah, I know. He has mobility. He has, yeah, he has a strong he arm. Are you
1: sure he has mobility now after an ACL if, injury? If he
0: stays healthy, you're going to eat your words next year.
1: Okay. All right, I've heard this before. I'm not really that concerned about it, Bob. We've heard this every stinking year, every year. He's got the tools. He's better than this one. He's better than that one. He's going to be at the top of the league in this. He can do that. You know what he did? He lost a lot. He's had one good run. Even the year they won, he doesn't throw touchdown passes. They don't score points. His first year was good. Last year was uh, yeah, good. I, yeah, his first year was good. So was Mac Jones's first year. I, I, it's, I, he's, he hasn't sh- – last year was Okay. Uh, last year was great at the end of the year, and then the playoff game, I will give you. He was spectacular. If
0: he's healthy next year, you're going to eat your words.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Hopefully they draft a quarterback where it won't matter. <laughs> if they draft a quarterback, it won't matter how good he is because he's not the future of the team. For, so hopefully for,
0: that's, for, hopefully. for every uh, uh, Josh Allen, you're going to get a million, a million uh, Zach Wilsons, and a million. Uh, not
1: a, yeah, not a million, but I hear your point. Yes, of course, that's the way life works. That's the way life works. For every great player, yeah. there's less. It's there's a crapshoot.
0: Believe me, with these 20-year-old kids, whatever, it's a crapshoot.
1: Whatever you did with that pick is a crapshoot. Whatever you do with the sixth pick is a crapshoot. Offensive line, crapshoot. Trade back for more picks, more crapshoots. Dexter Lawrence was
0: number one. He didn't get you to the playoffs this
1: year. Uh, yeah, Dexter Lawrence was as good as the defensive line gets. Didn't help. Andrew Thomas again. I'll use all Andrew Thomas as you know. Hand what? Let's just say because of the let's say he's the top five left tackle. Let's just say five top five. To be fair, I think most people would agree with that he's a top five left tackle. Not only did he not help the team win, not only did he not help the offense score points, he didn't help the offensive line play better. Like he what? It's all a crapshoot, and this is the only. I I honestly think, and I I very rarely say this. This is the winning point, okay? You can have other points. We can discuss things. Here's the winning argument in my mind. There, there's no counter to this. It's all a crapshoot, no doubt. And they, they might very well pick the wrong quarterback and be wrong and not help them, and in two years we're looking for another quarterback. Very likely, more likely than getting the right guy. Fine, whatever you want to say, fine. If they get the right quarterback, he changes everything. Look at C.J. Stroud. If you get the right one, he changes your franchise. No other position affords you that. No other position it gives you that much better of a feel of a. Cra- it's all a crapshoot. But even if you hit those those players help. Those players can be great players. Micah Parsons is a great player. What just happened? Like You can be right and still fail. If you're right with the quarterback, it changes your team. Joe Burrow instantly changed the Bengals. C.J. Stroud instantly changed the Texans. Patrick Mahomes changed the Kansas City Chiefs. Allen changed the Buffalo Bills. Lamar Jackson changed the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you want to tell me, well, Josh Allen was rapidly, and you want to tell me Lamar Jackson was at the end of the first round, yes, that's true. I can't count on other teams being incompetent and the best quarterback falling to the end of the draft again. I have to take who Brian Dable and Joe Shane think is the best. Plain and simple. I can't keep saying it. Like, that's it. And I got to give them the best opportunity to do that. And they need to move up to the first overall pick if that's plausible. You're seeing a lot of stories now that maybe it's more likely. I saw stories about what they could get for fields. I have no idea what the Bears are doing. I don't know. And maybe it won't be possible because I don't think Washington's going to want to move. I don't think the Patriots are going to want to move. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, you, could, you could trade up with, with Arizona, but... I don't think they're drafting a quarterback, so you would only be draft, trading up to make sure someone else doesn't trade up, which I'm into, whatever the case. Same thing with with the Chargers. But like that should be their main focus, finding who they believe is the quarterback and then figuring out how to, to be able to get them. Nothing else, should, everything else should be their secondary plan. That's their first plan. So And I'm sorry, I'm not, I have no fear. i got to be totally honest with you. I have no fear of eating my words with Daniel Jones. And I, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, especially if they don't draft a quarterback, I hope I do because I'm a Giants fan and I hope he does become a great quarterback. I, how many years can we say this? Like, that's the thing. Like, I just, I don't know how many years I can hear this. He's got all the tools. How many years can we say that before we got we to gotta actually see him use the tools? Like, I don't get it. How many years do we have to say, oh, wait, you wait on Daniel Jones. You haven't seen. Why haven't I seen? Why haven't I? Stop making excuses for him. Like, even today, I saw the clip that they put out, uh, that Tiki put out uh, from, you know, getting on Dak Prescott. And I I understand he's 100% right about Dak Prescott. But the reason he did it is because earlier in the year he said that he would take Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott twice any 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 day of the week twice on Sunday or whatever it was he he prefers Daniel Jones to Dak Prescott and it came up again today and the words came out of Tiki's mouth and I don't necessarily disagree with him I just can't keep up with it he said again well the the reason I said that is because I I know what Dak Prescott is I don't know what Daniel Jones is and I'm how many years can we say. I don't know what Daniel Jones is. At some point, not knowing is a no. Right? At some point, not knowing is a no. It can't be a yes. At some point, there's got to be an end to it. Right? Like, we we don't know about certain players. Like, what if, what if Ryan Leaf dedicated himself and didn't have some of his demons? What if, what if Jamarcus Russell actually was interested in staying in shape and playing football? I don't know, but I know now I know. I know that I don't know, and I know that not knowing this long is a no. I don't know if that's a bit of a tongue twister there. I know that I don't know, and I know that not knowing is a no. I like that. Put that on a, put that on a pillow right now. Someone embroider that on a pillow right now. Because it's words of wisdom, my friends. It's words of wisdom. I'm speaking words of wisdom, and I'm tired of not knowing. Tired. Can't keep doing this any longer.
3: Can't believe you went from speaking words of wisdom and didn't throw and let it be.
1: Well, I mean, I thought it was obvious. I didn't want to. That's the you know. I can't let it be. That's the thing. It's done. I don't want to let it be anymore. I'm sorry, Paul. I've had enough letting it be. It's time to move on. It's just, you can't, I can't do this. And I'm not worried about eating my words. He's not, he just hasn't been good. He wasn't good this year. He wasn't good this year. He was, he was, and, and, and I listen, I'll give you the Cowboy game to open the year. That offensive line was just atrocious that day. And Andrew Thomas got hurt. Uh, Neil was bad all year the offensive line was really bad that day but if you look at even other, some, of the, some of the other games and it got out of control and they were able to pin their ears back and he had a tough game they, I'm not going to kill him for opening week I'm not thrilled with his play in that game but ultimately I'll, I'll be fair on that one the offensive line was absolutely atrocious and they were overrun by the Cowboys but even other games like he was sacked nine times against Seattle I, I'm telling you watch the game he is the reason for half of the sacks. He doesn't get rid of the ball. He doesn't recognize free pass rushers. He's he just he does he he's he's not he's just not good. He's not very good. And if and, and like another better quarterback, I'm telling you right now, a better quarterback does not get sacked as much as as Daniel Jones does. A better quarterback does not have the day he had against Seattle. He was miserable. He's, he's had, he had terrible games this year. Terrible. He had one good half of football and then, oh yeah, he's hurt again. And, and as Nicole just said, he's got this tool. He's got that tool. He's athletic. He can run. Uh, Now I'm concerned. Now I'm concerned because he's got a neck injury that I don't know if he can take hits anymore. And now he's blown out his knee in his ACL. Is he going to be as athletic? Is he going to recover from that surgery and be as dynamic in the running game? And even if he is, aren't I concerned about him getting hit and hurting his neck again? Like, it's just too much. It's too many injuries. It's too much not being able to stay healthy. And it's not enough touchdowns. And it's not enough offense. And it's not enough winning. And it's been too many years. It's a handful of too many's and a bunch of not enough's. That's Daniel Jones' career. Too many losses, not enough touchdowns. Too many injuries, not enough winning. Not enough points. He's got the wrong too many's and the incorrect not enough's. And if my logic hasn't broken through to you yet, and if my wordplay isn't clever enough for you on this morning, I don't know what to tell you. 877-337-6666. It's gold, Jerry. I'm giving you gold.